Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy. Today's episode is brought to you by NetHealth. So when it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want your clinic to get found, get chosen, and definitely get those five-star reviews on Google. They have a new offer if you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they'll buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit. I also do, I do use this product. It does work. I have had friends specifically email me and say, whoa, you have some major SEO happening here. Um, so definitely, uh, check it out again. It's nethealth.com forward slash L I T Z Y. All right. On to today's episode. So I'm really happy to have Dr. Jenna Cantor back with another fabulous interview. Today, her guest is Dr. Philip Goldsmith. He is the owner and founder of Goldsmith Physical Therapy Solutions, a provider of high-quality management, consulting, and clinical solutions for home health providers. Dr. Goldsmith has been a practicing physical therapist for more than 20 years with experience in home health, skilled nursing, and outpatient orthopedic environments. He received his BS in Health Studies from Boston University in 1996, his MSPT from Boston University in 1988, and his Doctorate of Science in Physical Therapy from the University of Maryland School of Medicine in 2011. Additionally, Dr. Goldsmith has extensive experience in leadership and financial management of small and mid-sized not-for-profit corporations that has won more than 200000 in grants for public safety organizations with which he is affiliated. Dr. Goldsmith lives in Hanover, Pennsylvania with his wife and son. And on a personal note, if you ever have the chance to speak with Dr. Goldsmith, please do it. He is one of the nicest, kindest people I have met in the physical therapy world. So everyone enjoy today's episode. Hello, healthy, wealthy, and smart. I am Jenna Cantor here with the Dr. Philip Goldsmith, who we're going to refer to as Dr. Phil. Don't you love it? I'm so grateful to have Phil here because he is a small business owner who runs a business in which he provides, oh, I'm going to mess this up and I'm so excited too, who, where he brings stuff to the home health people and they're happy and they smile and say, thank you. Was that it? Did I get it? That's pretty close. <laughs> Would you mind summarizing in that perfect sentence you just said a second ago of what it is your more details on your business, but that like elevator speech. It's called Goldsmith um, therapy solutions. And I provide high quality clinical consulting and management services to the home health industry. I love it. And that's an elevator speech we all need to have, you know, for each of our own individual businesses. Anybody who interviews with me knows I don't spend too much time going into the bio stuff because that'll just be in the people can read it and then ooh and on ah and go, oh my gosh, I love Dr. Phil. You know, look at this. Wow. Incredible. We are going to dive right into the topic, which I know nothing about. I'm a cash pay, cash based out of network PT working with performers. So I'm going to ask all the base questions to fully understanding the situation so everyone can better get on the on the same page with this apparently and i i I, i'm i'm not saying it's not but just 
for me, it's new, apparently topic that's like a hot topic. And that is value-based purchasing in home health. I know nothing about it. So let's talk about what is that? What is the value? What is that? Value-based purchasing is Medicare's new payment model for certified home health services provided to Medicare Part A beneficiaries. Why is that important right now? Because it's different. How? Medicare is moving away from the, you go do a visit or provide a service and we pay you for a service to a model where they pay you based more on your outcomes and how good a job you do at taking care of those Medicare beneficiaries that have chosen to avail themselves of your services. That sounds great to me from a physical therapy standpoint, because that's what we care about. So how is this, let's start with how this is good, and then we can go how this is potentially something that could get in the way of providing care to people fully. So how is this good? This is good because it removes a lot of the artificial drivers that were skewing utilization, meaning, excuse me, until about three years ago, the more visits, you, the more therapy visits you made, the more money you got. And that was unfortunately driving practice patterns and everybody, Medicare, not Medicare, kind of agreed, this isn't working. Yeah. Yeah, because that's then, about productivity, not about results. Yeah. Right. And, and it, was, it was too much widget counting. And a lot of home health agencies were making a lot of money on providing therapy visits that weren't necessarily necessary. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the interim step on the way was this thing called PDGM that we're in now, where it's all based on functional states and diagnoses and that's about it yeah and, and it's other. not nothing to push getting them to where we need to get them or to protect right. them from it getting worse if we're talking exactly. about home health yes yes okay okay so then let's talk about where this could potentially be problematic so the the concern is are you comparing apples to apples meaning they're dividing the agencies up by state, by geography, and by large versus small volume to try to make apples to apples. But the big issue is this system works literally by robbing Peter to pay Paul. Somebody's going to make money mm -hmm. and somebody's going to lose money so the other people at the other end of the scale can make money. What is, could you go and give some details on this? Because I'm not really following on, on how this could so be. Yeah, Medicare is going to say, okay, we're going to take all of the large volume agencies in the state of Pennsylvania, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we're going to line them up by the outcomes we've chosen. They haven't told us the outcomes yet. That's oh, they they are deciding what the outcome what outcomes matter. They are in the process of that now. Who are they consulting can, with? Doctors. <laughs> Um, so there is what's called a technical expert panel and we could do that alone 
the concept of technical expert panels could be its own podcast mm-hmm. um, where basically they bring in people in the industry and ask them, what do you think is important? Um, do they pay they, them? They cover their expenses. Do they, do they start to get a financial interest to sway certain ways in their responses? No. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. they're representing their industries. So, you know, they can, I could volunteer to be on a technical expert panel. And my job is to bring the perspective of the physical therapy industry. Hmm. Mm -hmm. They also Mm -hmm. do use, you know, these big beltway consulting firms that you hear so much about, and they have policy wonks that work at CMS Mm -hmm. that do Mm -hmm. this stuff. Uh, A lot of it's actuaries and accountants and lawyers, because one of the big rules is this is supposed to be budget neutral, meaning the pot of money doesn't change. It's, who gets how much of that pot changes specifically mm. the agencies that are the bottom performers, they're going to lose as much as 5% of their reimbursement wow. so that the top performing agencies gain 5%. See, there we go. That's where I think a financial interest could sway what people say, because this could be less money towards their industry. Well, it's problematic. Home health in general. I mean, this is, it's already, you know, you're already getting paid a lump sum for the care of each individual. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that varies based on those clinical and diagnostic factors that, that I talked about before. Right. Um, the scuttlebutt is scuttlebutt. that. Scuttlebutt. <laughs> I just need to highlight that. You, I know. I love that you said scuttlebutt. This is great. The room, it means rumors. Love it. Scuttlebutt. I'm going to start using that every day. Um, mm-hmm one of the big outcomes they're going to look at is readmission to the hospital. Did you keep your patient out of the hospital? Cause that mm. costs Medicare more money. Mm. Um, and they're going to look at functional outcomes like transfers and ambulation. And there may even be a patient satisfaction component because did you know that Medicare mandates patient satisfaction surveys in most settings, you get those annoying press surveys because Medicare says thou shalt. And they track those. And those are actually publicly reported data. That's actually great. I think the patient, what their happiness is everything. Um, yeah, I think that's great. That's, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, there, so it's secrets here. <laughs> so it's, it sounds though, like it's a bit of a gamble on where things are going to lie. What's going to be decided on what these outcome measures are. That sounds like the biggest concern. What are these outcome measures that we're going to be using? Because if we're talking about movement stuff, you know, well, like, we're, we're in part talking about movement stuff, but you know, they've already established that all of the measures, the outcomes that are going to be looked at are either OASIS based, OASIS being the clinical assessment that's done in home care at a minimum every 60 days. Admission, recertification, discharge, hospitalization, return from hospitalization, that standardized assessment gets done. I have a question about that, actually. And this is just from my own experience. And it's a completely different audience that I work with. So when I'm working with my performers, I'm reassessing every single time I work with them. I'm a niche practice, though. I'm, I'm small. I'm keeping it small. And so therefore, they get like real top 
you know, I, I, I know them inside out what's going on in their lives and stuff. So I can best help them. So that is very, very specific. And I, and I'm lucky to be in that position. So when you're saying 90 days, that sounds like a long time for like a formal reassessment. Uh, I believe in, oh gosh, PT school, it was, it was a mat of like two months. So w- is it because of the, the age where things may take longer to see results? Why it's a 90 day spot? Like, why is that? I'm honestly asking. It's not for judgment. I'm trying to be very transparent on my own bias so I can learn. So it's every 60 days. Well, every 60 days that OASIS assessment gets done. However, that doesn't change that your state practice act still applies that you may have to reassess every 30 days or every 10 visits or every 14 days, whatever your state practice act says. And Medicare still has the every 10th visit reassessment requirement in home health, where they expect you to be using objective functional measures and looking at your plan of care and your goals and saying, are we getting where we need to be? Which is what we do in physical therapy. That is, we're always asking ourselves that question. Okay. This is more of a, you know, is more of a big picture thing. Yeah. Okay. For example, the emulation question, there's independent, there's independent, but needs a one-handed device, independent, but uses a two-handed device, can walk, but needs supervision at all times. And then there's a couple answers for wheelchair bound or bed bound. Yeah. I, I'm not familiar with this, but I, so I'm learning as right. you're talking about so, it. Is there anything about risk of falls? Cause that's like the bi- a big one. They look at that from a process measure standpoint, meaning they ask you, did you assess for fall risk? And there's criteria, the multifactorial objective. Um, so really it's gotta be a two pronged thing. Um, they're not looking at the results Mm-hmm. They're looking mm-hmm. at, did you do it? Yeah. Yeah. Is there room for, um, and this may be, you don't know, because <laughs> this is a bit of mind reading as far as you know, right now, is there room for measurements for neurological disorders where we know that things may, they're going to decline over time, you know, uh, or, or immune immune. Am I saying the wrong thing? I think it's saying the wrong thing, but it's fine. Um, uh, is there room for that where they have a, uh, health situation where things are going to decline? We know that, but we're trying to keep them functioning their best as they're going through their process. The answer is yes and no. Okay. The questions and answers don't change. What changes is they can tease out by diagnostic grouping and by what they call risk adjustment, where if your agency has a high population of clients with progressive neurologic disorders, that's the the term in favor now. Okay, thank you. They're going to risk adjust your statistics to reflect that, meaning we see that you have a larger population of people who probably aren't going to get better. And we're going to do some statistical mumbo jumbo in the background to adjust for that. But that doesn't change the answers that the clinician is using. Okay. There's no, I have to pull a different document because I have a different diagnostic group. There's no, I answer these questions for this diagnosis and that question's for that diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. The people who it's yeah. very much a big picture 
assessment. The people behind the scenes, I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm still going to ask it. The people behind the scenes who will be assessing the the progress and, you know, if it's fitting, looking at the outcome measures and what we need for that patient's are they medical professionals or are these just people who are trained to work for this company? Who are the, who are these people? So field clinicians who work with clients answer the OASIS for each client. The agency then submits it electronically to CMS and the risk adjustment is baked in to the computers at CMS that process all this information. Oh, so it's a computer thing. Yeah. Oh, it's it's all very, and that's part of the reason the assessment is somewhat limited in big picture. Yes. Because it's a, it, it's a computer thing. Oh, it's AI. I Maybe, maybe not, but it's a lot of higher level statistics that's way above my head. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, what an. This is so negative of me to say, but what an easy way as a person in CMS to point away and go, ah, no, it's the systems. That's what they computed. Like, I can't. (laughs) I'm like, who created it? Who designed the code? (laughs) Fine. We'll look at the code person. I I need to understand. Okay. Okay. So it's, I mean, it just sounds a little bit like a trip to Las Vegas. Um, where you studied a little bit, so you know a bit about gambling. You say, let's say you're very educated about that, and you, but it's still gambling. You don't really know. I don't it's know. I just I, because I, it, you know it's it's pretty well known how they do the risk adjustment. You know, it's just the statistics of how it's done is is pretty high level, but we we have a good feel for what they're risk adjusting for and what questions they use to do the risk adjusting. I mean, do you think the physical and physical therapy industry, home health for this, I guess that's what we're focusing on. um, Do you think with the way we have things set up now, the way we, I mean, that's our whole point is to be measuring their outcomes. That is literally what we're doing all the time. Do you think we're pretty safe with this adjustment? If anything, it'll probably be for the better if you're just overall. I mean, because we did the good versus the bad. Uh, where do you think it's it's going to turn out for us? It looks like value-based purchasing at home health is going to be a good thing. It is going to reward you for doing your job well and being aware of your outcomes and delivering good high quality physical therapy that drives the outcomes. Yeah. There's going to be, it's going to challenge the physical therapist and the PTA to work at the top of their license and to collaborate with the other professionals because some of these measures don't happen in a vacuum for lack of a better term. They don't happen unless you're working as a team and everybody's on the same page. Yeah. And that's really that interprofessional communication is where the good are going to be separated from the bad. Yeah. This isn't my world. Oh, continue. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, definitely the agency is going to have to be very aware of their outcomes and their data. And the understanding of that data is going to be huge. Yeah. And, I can tell you that there are 
consulting firms and companies and that can look at those outcomes at a clinician level. And they're going to tease out high-performing clinicians and low-performing clinicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm assuming that's where the concern is. What, where, what is, oh, I'm going to backtrack to, to actually what I was originally thinking of asking. What is the hot talk on the streets regarding this? What are the big things that other physical therapists and, and people in the industry are going like, hey, about it? Oh, I'm scared. Or do we already cover those things? We've covered a lot of it. Um, I think there's a, a lot of optimism around this because the more recent changes over the past couple of years, starting in October 2019, really pulled back on the number of visits we were seeing clients. And some of that is real and some of that is artificial. Yeah. And it's gotten me up on my soapbox a number of times because home health therapists are probably, unfortunately, some of the worst offenders at underdosing strength training. Ooh. Oh, yeah. You want to get me started? Don't get me started. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it would force that, that push. I would love well, that. It forces us to understand how to deliver strength training, how to deliver the most, the best outcomes we can in, in fewer treatments. Yeah. How to get trust, motivation. Right. You've um, really got to yeah. understand. You've got to be a high performing clinician yeah. to, to survive in this market Yeah, because a home health agency literally cannot afford to have lower performing clinicians that can't deliver the outcomes yeah. in a lower number of visits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm all about the outcomes. I've had people, a different dance physical therapist ask me about how I do my outcomes and it really does depend on my patient and everything. But I have a very, I have a special circumstance, you know, like I'm very lucky to have this niche that I have. I, there are from an outpatient, uh, not outpatient, out, yeah, out, not outpatient. Wait, I'm, I'm getting so confused. Ortho, from an ortho standpoint, I'm going like, cause I'm not, ho I'm not home health. So I'm just like trying to get back to my, my world. Th there are definitely, I'm going to choose my words specifically. So if you are a person who does own a, uh, a clinic, that sees a lot of patients, you are a mill. There is no way to paint that. There is a reason why there is a name for that. That's like saying I, you know, I was, you know, born from two Jewish parents and I grew up, I had my bat mitzvah and then, and like, I still observe Passover and then me saying, I'm don't, I'm not Jewish. Like what? Like, no, I'm Jewish. You know, uh, it's a very weird comparison, but whatever, that's so what how, I chose. And I'll go how with did it. We get to the point of mills. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and we'll be right back. When it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and increasing referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want your clinic to get found, get chosen, and definitely get those five-star reviews on Google. 
NetHealth has a fun new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit. I've always thought that the, it was because of the problem with insurance and reimbursement. And it's one of those like chicken or the egg kind of thing. What happened first, which I use in defense for any clinic. I'm like, hey, they're trying to figure out how to get reimbursed. But at the same time, it does in this horrible circle of, of uh terrible reimbursement, trying to communicate what you did and everything. And people are trying to make money, which is fine. It's okay to want to make money. Hello. Uh, um, but is, what uh, did we as a profession do wrong to allow an industry to devalue our services like that? It's because when trying to guess, this is me because I'm not a network. So, but um, from what I've seen, um, it's, it's clinics trying, they're doing their best to report what they're doing, the outcomes with the patients while at the same time, speaking the language that the insurances say they will reimburse. And then also these insurances saying they're going to reimburse, but then not actually reimbursing then their administrative staff calling over and over again, fighting to get those reimbursements, you know, getting better at that. So that's why you have certain people working at the, at the front desk. And then, um, and so then they increase the number of patients during that time because while they're gambling per patient on, honestly, this is how I look at it, per patient on getting that reimbursement uh, through, you know, the paperwork we've we've been trained to do to report outcome measures and everything, they're not they're not getting paid for it. They're fighting to get paid even on the basic level. So I think, but I don't know what happened first if insurance happened first. Or and and or the you know provision of the services uh, and they decided to, for it to be a lot of people. That's the chicken or the egg thing. I mean, I'm sure yeah. somebody could look up the history, but I think that's where people just say, "Oh, the healthcare system is messed up, needs to be fixed." I I that's where I kind of lean back on to kind of be fair to everyone. Not that there has to be a middle ground, but I mean that is kind of the truth. If I own the big business, you're constantly you're like, "Okay, I've hired." This this, these um, EMR systems, you know, we're going to track and write down things. I hope this is the right system. Okay, this one's not working. Let's do a new one. And then you have your clinicians going, oh, dang it, we have a new one. I have to readjust. But it's because we're trying to do it honestly. We're trying to do it legally. And then insurances just go, no, we're just not going to reimburse you. We're not going to explain why. And we're going to be difficult to get in contact with to discuss and figure things out. <laughs> So I don't know. It's a random tangent. I'm sure people will go be like, Jenna said something wrong. I'm not the person to attack here. I'm just speaking. If you have problems, go talk to the insurance companies and figure it out if you already know how it works. But that's kind of how I look at it being problematic in the ortho world specifically, uh, because um, there is a lot of measuring of um, my brain got there. There's a lot of measuring of um what was the word that we use? The more patients you see. Um, counting widgets. Counting widgets. <laughs> it happens. It does happen at the larger clinics, but yeah. can you, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I agree with it, but also can you blame them? You know, like you, you, you start a business to make money. I get that. 
you know, but I mean, but I mean, but I am in the business to heal. I mean, that's why I'm doing my own thing. Is it easy to do what I'm doing? Is it easy to get the patient? No, oh my God. Um, But that's, I, that's where I, why I put my energy, where I put my energy. Uh, But I, I feel like what is happening in the home health, like, oh my God, this is a hilarious full circle, but I'm going to connect it. It's going to be amazing. I feel like the home health, what you're doing with pushing that pushing forth, uh, the outcomes. I would love that. I would, lo- but I would love it to actually be that, not them just saying that. I would love there to be. Let's make it all about the outcomes. And honestly, I feel like that's what we've been trying to do the whole time. It's just people aren't insurances aren't saying they're aren't following through with it, what they say they're going to reimburse. They say we can reimburse up to this amount. It doesn't mean anything. It's horrible. So I would love there to be fixing in that way. And I think someday Medicare will come around to a value-driven system for outpatient therapies. And until Medicare does, nobody else will. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, Medicare very much still drives that bus. Yeah. Wow. I never realized that. That's, yeah. How do you know? How do you, I mean, honestly asking, uh, how, how do you know that they're the ones driving the bus? Because most of the private insurances base their policies on payment on what Medicare does. Because they're so huge? Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Not saying it's easy. So that's, like, that's there's, there's no easy the, road. That's but- where all the, the, that's the root of all the CPT codes and everything else. Medicare needed a common terminology to wash claims through a computer to pay people. So let's boil everything down to a five character code. Right, right, right. Wow. Mm. Jeez. What a hot mess. It just gives me a headache thinking about all of it. I don't like it. It makes, I I need cake or or pizza. Not chocolate, though. My dad loves chocolate cake. Uh, are you a chocolate cake person? I am a chocolate person head on. Really? But like chocolate cake is so different from chocolate bars. Come on. Yes, but they both have their merits. Oh, no, God, disagree. Absolutely not. All right. If you are a person that if you would handle your stress from chocolate cake just as much as chocolate bars. OK, your team, Dr. Phil, if you're like, no, chocolate, just chocolate, actual chocolate. Your team, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I'm, I'm interested to see if there's going to be any written debate on this or discussions. I'm sure there already has, which is why you, we were meeting. Uh, Dr. Phil was like, let's do this topic. And I, said, I was like, I don't know anything about this, which is good. I think it's good because then I get to learn. Everybody else who listens gets to learn. And, oh, I'm going to just say this just because I am not a fan of meanness. Don't attack either of us in this discussion. If if that's in no. your if that's in if that's in 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 your intention in and in re- hearing this and your response, ugh, just this is a message just for you. Get out of here. 
Mm-mm. Well, I, we got to be better together. We need to be able to have these discussions, talk about it. Totally fine to speak on your concerns about it or all that stuff. But if we're just attacking each other, that is not helping out the patients at large. This is about the people we serve. So we're discussing this to see what's going on, to better understand what's going on. If you are in an estate, you are close to a, a, somebody who is in legislature, the then do talk to them or see if there's a pre-written letter from APTA right now regarding this uh, uh, through their app, if you're an APTA member, or see if you can get a hold of that letter through a friend or something, or I'm, I'm sure it's on, a, on their webpage for you to easily access to advocate, send in a letter to fight this or fight for it, whatever it is, uh, because there's there's positives and negatives and everything. I mean, sometimes there's, you know, it's, it's more <laughs> leaning one way, obviously, but um, you, we got to just take action. If you want to see something, you got to don't just reply on here, take action. Wow. I just gave to- so many different messages and one thing at the end, but that's okay. I'm fine with it. Uh, any last words you want to say on this matter that you, that we haven't covered Dr. Phil? I think the take-homes are twofold. You just said the first one, you've got to be involved in advocacy if you want to see change. Second, value-based purchasing, like we're talking about it today, is just in the home health arena right now. It is what Medicare wants to bring across the board, across all settings. And, you know, they don't, they want to get away from fee-for-service. They want to get away from... I did two units of Therax and a unit of Therax and a unit of E-STEM and a unit of manual therapy and you need to pay me for it. They want to know a client walked into your clinic with this problem. They had these issues that we were able to quantify. And at the end of it, the client left our clinic and the issues were gone. And here's how we've quantified it. That's what they want to be able to pay you for. And if you can't be excellent with that, you're not going to have a successful practice five, 10 years from now. Love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Where can people, if they wanted to get in contact with you, where can they connect with you on either social media or email? I am PGoldPT on Twitter. I do have a personal Facebook. I am not fancy or cool enough to have Instagram or TikTok or any of those. I have LinkedIn. Uh, my email is pretty easy. It's pgoldpt at gmail.com. Um, the other place that's really easy to find me is if you go to aptahomehealth.org on the leadership page, you'll find my name. Um, I am currently the treasurer of APTA Home Health, formerly known as the Home Health Section. And in two weeks and two days, I become the president. I didn't say that at the beginning. I was like, I wonder if you want me to, and you didn't say, bring it and bring it up. So I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So this is a person, this is a person who's uh, very involved with fighting and and keeping on top of what's going on for home health. So thank you so much, Dr. Phil, for coming on, for your name, 
I love just saying Dr. Phil over and over again. I'm just sending you the biggest hug from afar. We got a meet at a conference recently, and you are a gem. Thank you so much. And everyone, send love to Dr. Phil for, for his time. Woohoo! A big thank you to Jenna and to, of course, Dr. Phil for giving both of their time to this podcast today. And of course, I do want to thank our sponsor, NetHealth. So again, head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for a complimentary marketing audit through NetHealth's digital marketing solutions to boost your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and referrals. And of course, get those five-star review on Google. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.